Hi, I'm Shay. And I'm Lily. We are so happy that you're here. Here at HBC, we believe that we can dream big because we serve a big God. And it doesn't matter what your past may look like, you still have a bright future. So open up your heart and receive. Thanks for joining me tonight for Bible study. This is the first Bible study that we have done online. So I'm super excited for y'all to be joining me tonight. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about Emmanuel, God with us. It is so appropriate for us to be talking about this. We're coming in. Well, we are officially in the Christmas season. Um, I'm so used to like saying we're getting close to it because some people can get offended if you talk about Christmas too early. I'm one of those. Is it ever too early to talk about Christmas? Is it ever too early to decorate for Christmas? I don't think so. Um, if that's controversial, I apologize, and I hope I didn't offend anybody that's watching right now. You do you. You put up your Christmas decor when you want. I love Christmas, so it's been Christmas for me for a while, but I can officially say we have entered the Christmas season. And so how can you talk about Christmas and not talk about Emmanuel, God with us? It is the reason for the season. So when I was praying about what do you want, God, what God do you want us to be talking about? During this Bible study, I was not surprised that this is where the Holy Spirit was leading me and honestly, our whole church family. If you are not tied to our connect groups already, I want to encourage you to be a part of them. We are talking about Emmanuel, God with us during this entire month. So there's so many ways that you can plug in. And I'm glad that you have decided to plug in tonight for this study. So I actually was talking to a friend about how this was going. And I was like, well, I basically studied the entire Bible at this point. Um, so I'm not going to cover the whole Bible tonight, though I probably could, but it would take us quite a bit of time. I am going to do some true Bible study with you guys. So I hope you have your Bibles ready, um, whether that be your app on your phone or if you've got a paper Bible, whatever it may be, have your Bibles ready. I also just want to say I will go back and I will share any of the scriptures that I'm sharing tonight because I'm going to cover a lot pretty quick. But if there are scriptures that you want, just message us. I've got them all written down. I'm happy to share them with you so you can go back and do your own studying. If anything, I hope that this stirs inside of you the desire to want to get in the word of God. It can be intimidating to um, our human side where it's like, I don't know, there's so much here and there is so much in the word of God, but we have a spirit, uh, the spirit of God that's leading our spirit when we're reading the word. And he is so good to take you through and to talk to you and reveal things to you when you're reading your word. So I hope that this uh, encourages you to jump in your word and see what um, mysteries God has there for you to discover. Okay, so starting, like I said, we're going to discuss Emmanuel, God with us. So I'm going to start with our foundational scripture, but I'm going to be clear with you. This is our foundational scripture, but we're going to do some searching out and seeking even to before we like completely unpack this one. But let's just start here. So Matthew 
chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And tonight I will be reading all the scriptures I read will be coming from the Amplified Version. So Amplified Version is what I'll be reading tonight. Matthew 1, verses 21 through 23. She will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. The Lord is salvation, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translates to mean God with us. So that is our foundational scripture. And and I want to just, I'm like, how do I even start? It's just, there's so much. So you know what? I'm going to start by just praying for, um, for God to just bless this time together. So Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about the word of God, to talk about who you are, to talk about your redemptive plan. I thank you that you are leading and guiding this entire discussion. Lord, I thank you that it is your spirit that is speaking through me and that because it is your spirit that is speaking through me, I believe that every person that is listening and tuning in, that their minds will understand what is being shared and their hearts will receive every bit of your word today, that they will see um, your plan that you've always had for your people and that we would leave this time together encouraged and built up in your word, having a deeper understanding of the love that you have for us and what you accomplished through the birth the death and the resurrection of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so this is where we're going to start. The the lineage of our deliverer. Because in Matthew 1, I read Matthew 1, verses 21 through 23. But if you read in Matthew, it begins verse 1 of this chapter with the lineage of Jesus. And there's a reason for that. And so I kind of want to back it up even a little bit more and say, what is this lineage that, that, that brought us to this moment that Matthew is writing about? So um, really quick, I'm going to give you the lineage from Genesis to Jesus, right? That's, that's super quick. Genesis to Jesus. Well, actually, I'm going to hit the highlights here, but I'm going to start with this redemptive plan that we first read about in Genesis. So again, just a bird's eye view of God's plan, starting with the fall, because God's original plan was when he created Adam and Eve and he walked with them and they lived um, fully taken care of by God. And they did not know sin. They did not experience that. So then there's a fall, right? So this is where we're going to pick up. So at the fall, when it happened, there was a curse that was pronounced by God. And, and this is where we're picking up. Genesis 3, verse 15. Again, I'm in the amplified version. And God pronounces this curse first upon the, the serpent, 
that had deceived them, then upon Eve, and then upon Adam. And so we pick up in verse 15. And I will put enmity or open hostility between you and the woman. So again, this is God speaking and he's speaking to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity, enmity, enmity. I can talk. Um, Open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and offspring and her seed. He, so this is now speaking about the seed of the woman. He shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. So God starts this in the aftermath of humanity's fall. So when Eve was deceived and then Adam agreed with her deception and so they fell. And then this is what happened in the garden. So this, I believe, just like, again, let's just kind of put ourselves, immerse ourselves into this moment where they're in the garden and the fall has happened and God pronounces this in the garden. I personally believe that every angel in heaven and every demonic being was listening as God pronounced this to to the the serpent who was Satan and Adam and Eve. So God tells Satan, you are going to be destroyed. This is the first announcement of the gospel. So it's, it's again, going back to our foundation scripture, when we are talking about Jesus's birth, that he is coming. This is the first time we hear in the Bible of the plan that God has to redeem his people. So the moment that we fall, God already has a plan and he decrees it here in chapter three, verse 15. He says, it's his announcement of the good news. This is the first prophecy of the Messiah. He says that you are a defeated foe. He tells the serpent, you are going to get you are going to be delivered a fatal blow that is going to come from woman's seed so from her seed and if you look in your bible and in my bible in verse 15 her seed the word seed is a capital s because we're talking about jesus and then it says he shall again capital h this is Jesus, Jesus will fatally bruise your head. So again, now we know because we're seeing this now from a totally different perspective. We we know how the story ends now. We have the Bible. We have the word. We know what transpires from this moment on. We know he's talking about Jesus. But in this time, when God was speaking this decree in the garden, Satan, Adam, and Eve This is my interpretation of the Bible. I don't believe any one of them knew who the seed would be. And and I say this is my interpretation. This is my interpretation of reading it, having read my entire Bible through and through, right? Satan did not know who would be the seed, but he knew that it would come from the lineage of Mary. He knew this because God had already spoken it. He had said that it would come from woman's seed. And he knew, okay, my biggest foe that says he's going to destroy me. Again, this is from Satan's perspective. 
is going to come from her seed. So, of course, he is going to do everything he can from that moment forth to try to stop the plan of God, which, again, we know is foolish and could never have worked. But Satan is a fool. So, of course, he has been doing everything he can um, since that moment to try to stop what was going to happen later on, where we're going to pick up in Matthew. Okay, so something to point out here in this divine plan is God says that the seed would be bruised. But again, there's a difference here. We're doing Bible study, guys. So we are studying this word. So I hope you're ready to dig in with me. Notice that he says that the blow that the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman, it would be on the serpent's head representing a fatal blow and that yes the satan would bite the heel of the seed so there would be um hurt that comes to the seed but this is nothing compared to what would happen this is a i would guess a temporary wound you know if you get bit on the heel as a human you know if, if i get bit on my heel this is a temporary wound this is a um a surface level one. This is not one that would destroy him, but a blow to the head would definitely be fatal. And this is what is so exciting to me. When I read this in Genesis, when I start seeing this divine plan unfolding, even here, where, where we're already hearing about the good news that's going to come through Jesus, to me in that moment, God's grace is in his love and his mercy is seen even then even when they fall, even when they chose to, to not believe God, to not rely on God, to think that maybe they could be just as knowledgeable as him, that God's mercy immediately comes in and says, I am going to sin. I have a plan to send someone that will undo what was just done. And in that pronouncement where I'm sure they felt just completely defeated. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would feel like to be Eve in that moment in the garden, knowing that she had been deceived. And I'm, I'm sure it was very clear in that moment how much she had been deceived. But she hears this decree from God, and I believe that hope began to blossom in her. And in, and in Adam in that moment, because they're hearing from God that he has a plan and it's a redemptive plan and that this is going to be overturned. And this is so exciting for us because we get to find out more about the story, right? Okay, so now we are going to pick up back in Matthew, all right? So we're in Matthew. And like I said, the book of Matthew, first chapter here starts with the lineage leading up to Jesus. And this is significant. We've already seen parts of that significance by going back to Genesis 3. And, and I'm going to kind of save. Yeah, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back because we're going to see more about that Genesis um, chapter 3, verse 15. 15 that I just mentioned. But I want to give you just a little context again going into the book of Matthew. So Matthew is one of the gospels. Um, there are four gospels in total. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is different than all the other gospels. So we're going to put kind of John's gospel really does stand alone. So 
If you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are often known as the um, synoptic, synoptic, I think that's how you say it, synoptic. Somebody else can, I'm sure, jump in here and be like, yeah, that's right or wrong. But these gospels are all similar stories told from different points of view. So same stories, different point of view is probably the better way to say it. Um, different viewpoints of what they're sharing. And again, this is very um, intentional. The word of God is so intentional. I, I don't know what else to say. It's God is um, masterful. And the book, when you read the Bible and you read the book through and through and you see everything that is tied together, the details that are tied to each other, it's there's a reason why um, it's it's the living word of God and why I pray that you will have a desire to read it and study it and see all the things that God has in it. Like I said, it was so hard for me personally to read about Jesus's coming and not find myself in every single chapter and every single book of the Bible because it's all about him, right? Um, so anyways, coming back to Matthew, all three uh, of the Gospels are, are told from a different viewpoint. So here we're in Matthew's viewpoint. And Matthew, um, he was writing as a Jew to the Jews. So that's an important perspective when you talk about why did Matthew start his book with genealogy? Because the others did not start their story um, or writing. I shouldn't say like, I want to be clear when I say story. These are not made up stories. They're telling the story of what they lived. But they didn't start by talking about the genealogy, but Matthew did. So it's important to recognize that Matthew was a Jew and he was writing to the Jews. And as a Jew, he knew what information would be important to share with the Jews that were going to be reading this, because the point of it was he wanted them to see Jesus is the Messiah. He wanted them to have revelation of this is the one we have been waiting on. This is the one that we have been reading about and all the prophets have been talking about. This is him. And so he knows he has to start with the genealogy if he's going to get to the Jews. So that's why he starts this way. So prophecies fulfilled. This is what Matthew was really wanting to hit home with them. Jesus, the Messiah, he came, he died, he resurrected. He is here. He has come. So he starts by saying, well, let's go through the genealogy of this Jesus so that I can prove to you he is our Messiah. So in Matthew 1.1, I am not going to read all of the genealogy. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, go to Matthew 1.1 and read it, but I'm not going to read all of it, but I am going to read 1.1. The record of genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son and the descendant of David, the son, the descendant of Abraham. So that's where he starts. And then they go through all 40, or he goes through all 42 begats. Okay, so this person begat this person who begat this person who begat this person, right? So Matthew outlines it all, but he starts with saying, Jesus, the Messiah, 
came from the lineage of David and of Abraham. And this is so important, so important. So um, why? Why is this important? Again, I'm going to I'm going to watch my time. I already know y'all this is going to be a series. So if you're loving this, no, we're going to keep going on about it. OK, we'll make it a series, at least another one, maybe two more after this one. Um, and if you're not loving this, stick around and then join me for the next series because you might really, really like that one, too. Um, so. We start with the begats and it's like, okay, why does those, why does that matter? Why did Matthew go through the genealogy of Jesus? And why, I'll ask you another question that we're going to kind of uncover here. And as you guys are studying your Bible, I want to encourage you to ask these questions. Everything in the word of God is there for purpose. So if there's something in the word that you're like, hmm. This seems kind of random. Um, why do we have this here? I'm going to kind of skip through it. Listen, I've been guilty of it. I, when I get into any of the begats, okay? So this is, again, when it's going over lineage, lineage, I'm like, this is a lot. Can I kind of skip through this? But if you ask God, Lord, tell me, why is this significant? Why is this important? Um, he is so good. He will show you. He will give you understanding and to say, well, let me show you why I put it here. So I believe this is why um, he put it here. And Matthew does not. So this is a key thing. And all those begats that he shares, he doesn't go through every single person in the lineage of Jesus. Okay. He doesn't cover it. That would have been a lot of pages, a whole lot of pages. He doesn't. He only brings up certain names and there is a reason for that. So first name that he brings up or two of the names that he brings up is Abraham and David. So why is that so important? Well, that's because this divine plan that God had, this plan of redemption for us, it started in Genesis when he declared that there would be a seed that would come from woman that would destroy the works of the enemy in our lives. That's where you first hear about it. And then we're going to jump ahead again. I'm going to hit the highlights here. Then he makes a promise to Abraham and God promises Abraham that he would bless him and the families that would come after him. Okay, so God pronounced a blessing. He made a covenant with Abraham and he said in that covenant, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and the families that come after you. Um, so that was key. Again, I will encourage you, go read about the covenant that God made with Abraham, because that covenant is our inheritance. And that is good news. Such good news. So what Jesus did for us, this made us a part of the lineage of Jesus. We are now a part of the begats of Jesus. So it continues. And your name, if you have received him as your savior, your name is now on that list. So the promise of Abraham is our promise. So God makes a promise to Abraham. Again, for the Jewish people, this is important. The Jews, they read all the prophecies. They knew what the blessing of Abraham was. And they knew that they received that blessing because they were Jewish people. 
Okay, so number two, he says that Jesus came from the lineage of David. And again, there was a promise made to David from God. All of these promises are lining up for this moment, this moment that Jesus would be born. Okay, so in that promise, God tells David that he was going to establish his throne forever. So that we know that the Messiah is going to come from the seed of Abraham, the seed of David, right? So that's the lineage that we're tracing now. Something else that is so interesting, if you look at the lineage that is listed here in Matthew 1, is that there are five women listed in these uh, in this lineage that he lists in Matthew 1. Now, again, why is this significant? So I think anyone that has studied their Bible, I'm sure hearing that it was important that he points out Abraham and that it's important that he points out David, you might be you know, following along with me like, yes, that makes perfect sense. Of course, we know that that's all a part of the, um, the promise that we have from God for a Messiah. But why did he list five women in this lineage? And the reason why we need to ask this, their significance here is because typically in the lineage, especially when you're talking to the people of this time, the Jewish people that Matthew was writing to, the lineage was male. They traced the male in the lineage, right? They they did not trace women in the lineage. Um, and that was not something that would even be, you know, it'd be frowned upon. Because again, in these times, um, Jewish men, honestly, it's, it's written that they would wake up every day thanking God that they were um, not a Gentile and they were not a woman. So if that tells you kind of where they were in society, um, they were not someone that you would highlight in your limit in your lineage. And I think about like if you're telling a story, again, I like this is the way I read my Bible, y'all. So you're just gonna have to go through my buddy Bible studies like this. But I think about Matthew is intentionally starting the, his book writing to Jews so that he can show them Jesus is your Messiah, and I'm gonna prove it by going through the lineage. But he chooses to call out five women in this lineage. And so there has to be a reason that Matthew is wanting to point out these people. And I truly believe it's because Matthew starts this book with talking about the lineage of Jesus. And he's writing it to the Jews to tell them, hey, he's your savior you've been waiting for. But he ends this chapter with speaking what Jesus already spoke. He just repeats Jesus' words and he says, go now into all the nations. Whew. Go now into all the nations and preach the gospel and let them receive the Savior. This is a change, right? Up until this point, it was only the Jewish people that um, were a part of this family tree, and Matthew already knows the end, right? He knows this is for all the people, but he was in an assignment from God. And the Holy Spirit came upon him to write to the Jewish people so that they would receive him as their savior. 
But he also says, and I've got even better news. This savior is for more than just us. It's for all the world. So I believe he was writing about these five women to show that this is the God of all. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional. It's so hard to not talk about God's goodness and it not hit you, at least for me. And I used to pray all, all the time. I used to pray, God, really help me to be more um, less emotional when I'm talking about you. And, and there's a, to a degree of that, right? Like you guys have to be able to hear my message. If I just sat here and cried the whole time, you probably wouldn't get much out of that. Um, but God told me many years ago, you don't want me to take all that away from you. Trust me. You want to be sensitive to me. So I've gotten permission from God to be more sensitive when I talk to him, talk about him. So you'll just have to, um, deal with my, um, with my emotions at times. Okay. So these are the five women he calls out. He calls out Tamar, Rahab, Ruth and Bathsheba. So again, this is Bible study. So we're going to dig in and I'm just going to quickly though, highlight, you know, why this is so significant, not just that they are women, but their stories. So Tamar, um, she came to her, she joined this lineage and I'm trying to think of the best way to probably say this. So again, go dig in your Bible and read about Tamar, but uh, Genesis 38, is where you can go read about tomorrow. But basically, um, her husband, he died and she was going to birth children. And we needed these, we needed Tamar in this story. We needed her to um, continue this lineage because through her would come our savior. But she had to uh, have her father have some intimacy with her, her father-in-law to have some intimacy with her in order to do that. So it would fall through that lineage. And she dressed up as a prostitute. So go read about that. So very unconventional way. We'll say that very unconventional way to continue this lineage. Then you've got Rahab, who was a Canaanite prostitute, um, who was in the town of Jericho that assisted the spies that would ultimately come and take over the land that God had promised to them. Um, so Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute, she was not a Jew and she is listed in this lineage. There's significance there. Okay, Ruth, again, not a Jew. Ruth comes in. She is a Moabite woman. She marries into the uh, to the Jewish lineage of Jesus um, through Boaz. So again, this is demonstrating God's inclusiveness to have all the people receive his faithfulness and his love and his goodness. And we're seeing it show up throughout the Old Testament, leading us to this moment. Then you've got Bathsheba. So she's not, her name is not listed outright in this, but she is listed because it says the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, the Hittite. So she was the wife of Uriah who ended up birthing Solomon. But again, this, this is the woman that David had an affair with that later led to them killing David, killing her husband. Um, and because of that sin, their first child 
um, died. But their second child was Solomon. And then lastly, we have Mary. Mary is listed here, okay? The mother that would carry the seed. All right, so a couple takeaways. I'm going to come back to Mary on the other ones. Here's my takeaways, all right? Number one, God's dealings are with actual people, not ideal people. <laughs> actual people, not ideal people. And honestly, if I was Matthew and I wasn't, you know, operating under the leading of the Holy Spirit and I had to kind of like hit the highlights of the lineage, I would have definitely covered Abraham. I would have definitely covered David, but I probably would have skipped those less ideal people. I wouldn't have called them out. That's for sure. But we know that the Holy Spirit wanted them in there. And I truly believe it's so that we can see that God's plan is a plan for all his people to be covered under his goodness and under this promise that he has, under this redemptive story that he has for all of us, that we could all see ourselves in the story of Christ. So he chooses um, and works through Actual people, not always ideal people, which should encourage you. If you're anything like me, I'm not um, always the most ideal person for God to work through, but he does it anyways. And secondly, God uses all the messy stuff that is wrapped up in the genealogy, all the messy stuff that God is able to work through and still have his purpose Um fulfilled in our lives. You cannot read through all of this and not see that God didn't just, you know, only do what he was going to do through this neat and tidy story of all these ideal, sinless people. But instead, God's redemptive story was accomplished through less than tidy, less than neat, less than perfect people. David himself being less than ideal at times, but one that loved God with his whole heart and sought after God with his whole heart and was, um, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use, um, sorrowful, um, repented. He repented. That's the word I wanted. He, he, he repented. He recognized that he fell short over and over again, but he always recognized. David was so good at this. He recognized his own shortcomings, but he always recognized that God was greater than that. He always recognized that God was a God of his word. He always recognized that God finished what he started. David, all through the Psalms, you can read David recognizing his own shortcomings, but always turning it back to, but you are faithful. You will never forsake me. You will never leave me begging. I may fail, but you don't fail. And that's all God is asking from us. He is asking for us to just believe that he is God and that this redemptive story is real. It happened. Jesus is our Messiah and he finished it all. He defeated, he destroyed the enemy and all the curses that came with that were destroyed by the work of Jesus Christ. 
that is good news. And I hope that that encourages you. Even if we did nothing else in the study tonight, I hope that encourages you to know that Jesus can use you no matter what your background looks like, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, whether it was disobedience to do what you knew what was right and not doing it, or it was ignorance of not knowing him and not knowing what you were supposed to do. It doesn't matter as long as you recognize that Jesus is the Messiah and that he did it all. He has your victories secured now and forever. If you can do that, God can use you and God will use you. If he could use Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute, he could use you. Okay, so now back to the lineage, you know, we're still here, right? So we're talking about Matthew is like laying out the lineage. And I told you that he brings up another woman. He brings up Mary. Again, this is important. Both Joseph and Mary are now listed because like we're talking about the foster father of Jesus and Mary, his mother. Okay, so that's where we're at picking up at this lineage of Jesus. So both are traced to, to David, to King David. Both of them are. So why did David, why did, hold on, let me read my notes because I don't want to mess this up. Then why did Matthew trace Jesus back through Joseph if he was his foster father, right? Like, why is that? Why is Joseph listed if technically it wasn't Joseph's seed that, that Jesus came from. So there's two things being traced here, and that's why Joseph and Mary are listed here. You have got the royal bloodline, and that is coming through Joseph. So Joseph, his foster father, he is here because he's the male in this. He is the royal bloodline that is needed for the Messiah to come through. And Mary is the bloodline connection to David that needed to happen for the Messiah to be born because it was declared that the Messiah would come through the lineage of David. So both Joseph and Mary are tied to the to David, one through bloodline, one through royal line. It is all covered. Okay, so you've got that. Now, Mary, Mary's significance in this, she is who God talked about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He said the seed of woman would bring forth the Savior. That's where she comes in. So actually, we're not going to even start. We're not even to our foundational scripture. Hold on. One more point. These are prophecies. I am not going to go through all the prophecies about Jesus. There are so many prophecies about Jesus in the Bible. But I am going to read two specific prophecies out of Isaiah. So from the prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. Again, I'm an amplified all night. So Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name 
Emmanuel, God with us. And then in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, For us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and there shall be no end to the increase of his government and of peace. He shall rule on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. So from that time forward, so this is what the prophet said. So when Jesus comes, when the Savior comes, his government and his peace and his rule will be established and it will be upheld by him from that time forward to forevermore. And we, I don't have to tell you, we have now come after Jesus's death and resurrection. So now we are living under this Jesus's rule and reign. That is such good news. I am so thankful that I have an intercessor right now that is reigning and ruling, and he is making intercession for me and for you. If you are listening to me right now, Jesus is interceding for you on your behalf. He is empathetic with what we've gone through because he went through it all when he was here. He is a merciful, merciful friend. And I'm going to try not to preach. So it's so exciting. So this is um, the prophecy, the foretelling of Jesus's birth. So now when we start in Matthew 18, 20, 1820 is where we're at. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found out betrothed, betrothed, betrothed. Yeah, I think it's betrothed, not betrothed, betrothed. Y'all are following me here, right? Um, To Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her promised husband, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, descendant of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child whom whom has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So we are beginning to see now the unfolding of God's purpose of bringing this divine son born of a woman without aid of a husband or male seed. So 
Again, I'm not preaching because I can preach on this, y'all, <laughs> and I just might. But tonight, I'm really um, asking the Holy Spirit to help me be disciplined in taking you through a study of this. And and again, I really believe because when I prayed about it, I really believe that if it's for nothing more, it's to encourage you to read and seek after the wisdom of God through the word of God. There is so much he wants to reveal to you and show you. And even in scriptures that may have become mundane to you, scriptures that often people that aren't even practicing Christians are familiar with, like this one about a child being born. And I also believe that God is really wanting to bring to our attention why we celebrate during this time and and what a powerful and wonderful and complete work he did through his son and what that really means for us and that we don't live another day. I pray that everyone that is watching this either now on Facebook or on YouTube or playing this back later would really begin to seek out the word of God and get revelation of what it means for Jesus Christ to be born, to die, and to be resurrected. What does that mean for us now, here and now? What does that mean for us? And that we would live a life according to the work that he already did, that we would live our lives in the fullness of what God made available to us through his son, Jesus Christ, and that we don't accept anything less than what Jesus appropriated for us, and that we don't allow a defeated, a defeated, a destroyed enemy come into our lives and deceive us the way that he did with Eve and the way that he deceived so many and is still deceiving so many to this day. He has to use deception because he has nothing else. He is the author of lies. And if he is trying to put things on you that God has promised in his word would be removed through the, through the coming of Jesus Christ, um, that will be exposed and you will live a life of victory knowing that it's all done. And so I said I wasn't going to preach, and then I jumped right into it. But we still have, we have till 7.30. We have an hour, so I'm going to spend just a little time unpacking this. And like I said, I really do believe this is going to be a series. I think we're starting with this birth of Jesus, but there is so much more. I really believe the Holy Spirit is taking us through the birth the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So stay tuned, but let's look at really what's happening right here. And this is the, the, um, the prophecy of Jesus playing out because the, the word of God is whole. The word of God is missing nothing. And this is what God already spoke to the prophets and they already foretold of it happening. And now it's happening. And the reason why he did that is so that we could believe that he is the Messiah, so that we could believe what was said happened exactly the way it was said that it would happen. So there's no doubt that Jesus is our Messiah. So 
the birth comes. We know that through the prophets that it says that the seed would come of a woman. It would not come from a man. So that's why Joseph is not the father. This seed was a supernatural incarnation. This is when we talk about God, God is holy. And the word holy really represents two things, this moral upholding. And also it is, it speaks to being set apart, unique. God himself is unique and transcends any and everything that you could ever think of. God transcends it because God created it all. There, he has always existed. There is no beginning and no end to God. He is uniquely all by himself. God, nothing even comes close. No one or nothing will ever even be in the same category as God, which is why when I read my Bible and I think that the Satan really thought he might be able to overturn God's plan, it's a joke because Satan is nothing, nothing, nothing. When we look at our God, he is so much greater. Nothing even, you can't even bring him in comparison with anyone or anything, including Satan. Um, so God transcends all. He is so much greater than all. And so he is unique by nature, right? So God does a unique thing here, something new that is beyond and transcends anything we could ever understand ourselves. But God does this wonderful, unique thing in using the Holy Spirit to plant the seed in woman. And this seed would come from God again fulfilling what was already spoken by God. So he points out, Matthew is here pointing out that this baby did not come from Joseph. And he has to be clear because again, you got to remember he is talking at this time. We read it now, but he was writing this to people that were alive during this time. Matthew is writing to people that I'm like trying to run through the, I mean, the gospels came. Yeah, I would say at least their grandfathers for sure were alive when Jesus was born. Okay. So I'm trying to think of how old Jesus was. Yeah, they would definitely still be alive because I think the gospels were maybe 30, 40 years. I think they were saying something like that. Maybe, maybe 60 years. I'll go back and see AD. Uh, after Christ died, um, Matthew wrote this book. So somewhere in Matthew's lifespan. Okay. So I don't know how old Matthew was, but he may have been alive when Jesus was born, but I can tell you for a fact, he was alive when Jesus walked the earth. Okay. So he's writing this book to people. My point of all that was to say, he's writing to people that would actually know Joseph and actually know Mary, right? Like, you know, your grandparents and you know, if you live in this town, you probably know grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles and all the peoples, right? So he is writing to them and he needs to be very clear. This baby was not Joseph's. You know, I know there was rumors going around town, but this was not Joseph's baby, but it also was not a baby that was born from sin, meaning from adultery. Mary was not, you know, messing around on Joseph. So he has to be clear here where this baby came from. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit had Matthew write this out in several ways to prove the point. This baby was not Joseph's and did not come from a man because Mary 
And so now we're going to like step into the feet of like, we, what is the perspective of Mary and Joseph in this scenario? Okay. So Mary and Joseph and these times you would be engaged and it would be legal. Like it's a contract. It's a binding contract as if like your marriage license in this time period is like signed. They're married, but they would not move in together and live together and have intimacy with each other for at least a year. And so what would happen was they would be engaged. It would be a legal contract. They would be technically married at that point. Um, the man would go off, establish the home and get it ready to bring his wife home. And at that point, she, she would be living in her father's house up until that point. He would go to her father's house, get her and then bring her to the house that he has now built for her um, and the home and, and the family that he's now is or not the family, but the the life for their family that he has now established. So this was their traditions, right? So she was, they were married. Their, their contract was already done at this point, but she's now going back to her father. And so it's in this time span of that year where Joseph is preparing the house for her to come home to. They hadn't had the official big ceremony yet. Um, but of course you're not, you don't have, um, intimacy until you have had that big ceremony a year later. So that means she's a virgin. Joseph's getting the house ready. So for Mary to become pregnant during this time, I mean, Joseph is going to assume Mary has run around on him, right? So, I mean, what else would he think? Um, so the angel comes, and this is what I love about Joseph, is that even though in his mind he has every right to believe she has cheated on him, he has right by law in the book of Deuteronomy, I think you can see. Is it the? Anyways, uh, you can go and look and see the, the laws around. I'm like, no, I don't think it's Deuteronomy. But you can go and look and see the Jewish laws. By law, he could technically have her stoned to death for what she's done. And later, they did say that you could divorce her quietly also for what she's done. And he chose to quietly divorce her, which is the kindest way that he could be to Mary, um, which again speaks of his character. I think that was a, a point that, again, everything in the word of God is here for intention, right? So it speaks of who Joseph was and the type of man he was. But an angel comes and speaks to Joseph and he's like, hey, listen, don't divorce her. You're okay. You can marry her. She has done nothing sinful. She has done nothing wrong. This baby has been um, placed there by God. This is nothing that she's done wrong. And Joseph is like, okay, I'm going to do this. Again, this is like, this makes me marvel at this moment in time. Like, wow, this is so incredible. And then I think that angel that came to visit Joseph was an angel that was there in the garden. And I'm like, okay, so if Satan didn't know where was the seed, like everyone knew that God said there would be a seed that would come that would destroy the enemy. So they're all waiting on it. The Jews are waiting for their Messiah. The angels are waiting for the Messiah, right? All the creation is like, here it is. Like, is this the moment? So I'm like, I'm picturing this angel that's like, it's time. It's time. Right. So he like comes to Joseph. He knows the whole story of what's happened beforehand. Right. And he's coming. He's telling Joseph, don't you know, don't be afraid. This is what you're going to do. Take her as your wife. You're you're going to be 
basically the foster father of the Messiah. So cool. So exciting. And I, I guess like I'm acting as if like the angels were excited, but I feel like that he would have to be. I mean, like I would be excited. I would be like, this is it. This is the moment. I get to go tell Joseph that this is happening. Again, this is how I read my Bible. So this is how you guys are getting Bible study. But I think, wow, how exciting this is. So um, this Holy Spirit that is, you know, the same Holy Spirit that you're seeing throughout even the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was there in Genesis, hovering over the water. This is a part of the Godhead, okay? That same Holy Spirit that in Ezekiel 37 um, breathed into those dry bones and raised up an army. This is that same Holy Spirit there for creation. The same Holy Spirit that would also come in, whole, uh, in the Pentecost. This is the Holy Spirit that has the creative acts that would create our Savior in the womb of Mary. So now verse 21 through 25. So she will give birth to a son and his name will be Jesus. Lord, the Lord is salvation and he will save his people from their sins. And all this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary into his home as his wife, and he kept her a virgin until she had given birth to her son, the firstborn child, and they named him Jesus, the Lord is salvation. Again, Joseph did this intentionally so that no one could ever say that this baby was anyone but from God. So I'm going to end this. I told you I'm going to come back to this earlier. I'm going to end this with Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6. Because I told you when we started, we were reading in Genesis 3, verse 15. We were talking about what God decreed and foretold of Jesus coming, that there would be, I will put imminent, imminent, Eminent. I always know how to say it until I get in these situations and then it just like goes for me. Emity and open hostility. We're going to say that open hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and offspring and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head and you shall only bruise his heel. Why is this such good news? So now we're going to go into Galatians 4, 4 through six. But when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might redeem and liberate those who were under the law, and that we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children, with all the rights, as a fully grown member of the family. And because you really are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, 
Abba, Father. God had a beautiful plan for you and I. And his plan was to redeem us from the fall. His plan was to restore the relationship and all the benefits that came in Genesis. All the benefits and the original plan that God had when he created Adam and Eve, he has restored that. And now that includes you and I. The redemptive power of Jesus Christ has brought us back into the same relationship that there was before the fall. We are no longer condemned under that law. We are adopted children of God, and we have the same bloodline. We have the same rights that all the lineage of Jesus, all that lineage that we were talking about that led up to Jesus and led after Jesus, we are a part of that. We are a part of the blessing of Abraham. We are now partakers of all of that. All of that. Everything that Jesus did on the cross, all of our iniquities, all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our regret, all of our sicknesses, all of our sorrows, all of our grief, all of it. He bore it all so that we could live a life free to fully liberate us. That is really good news. This is what Emmanuel, God with us, provided us. And I am so, so grateful that I'm a part of his family, that he has a place for me, that I have a place in the kingdom of God. Not just this world is not our home, y'all. This is not our home. We are here for a plan and for a purpose. We are a part of God's story. We are a part of a story that is still being written in our lives. We're, we're living it out but he already has established it all. Our names are in his book. And if it's not, you can receive him right now. So I'm going to end by just giving you that opportunity. If you have not received Jesus as your savior, it is as simple as saying, I have heard. I've heard your word. I've heard what you have said and declared through the Bible. I receive that. I receive it as the word from God that is for me. I receive Jesus as my personal savior. I receive him as my savior. And now I allow him to have reign and rule over my life. I submit myself fully to Jesus, fully to your spirit, God. And I say, have this life. Do what you wanted to do with it from the beginning. And just like that, you receive that same spirit that will cry out, Abba, Father. Thank you so much for watching this sermon. We hope it encouraged you. We also do live streams on Sunday mornings at 10. We would love for you all to stay connected. So go like and follow all of our socials. 
Life is so beautiful with Jesus and community. So join the fam!